Hello, my name is Lexi Davis. I'm a self-discovery coach, a yoga and meditation instructor, a love enthusiast, and a really playful human being. I serve people through my business, Alive to Enjoy, and this is Heart Snuggles, a holistic wellness podcast where I invite guests to drop into their heart space through authentic conversations and compassionate intentions, all in mini cuddly episodes, hoping that you connect to your truth in the most authentic version of yourself. I hope you enjoy. Welcome everyone to Heart Snuggles. We're so happy you're here today and I brought a lovely guest. So please go ahead and tell them who you are. Hello everyone. My name is Abiala Akani and I am the influencer, I would say, guess you would say, behind Yoga by Biala and the founder behind IA, which is an online yoga platform offering non-performative yoga. So magical. Yeah, I was really drawn to your page because it is such an important topic that is not discussed enough. And it's kind of bothered me how performative yoga has become. And so, yeah, I'm just really excited to connect with you today. And to start off, I'll ask you the question of the podcast, which is what was the last random act of kindness someone did for you? Mm, Last random act of kindness someone did for me. I would say I was actually walking. I was taking a walk yesterday. Oh, I was walking back from the gym and obviously, you know, we live in Seattle. People don't really tend to make eye contact often here. <laughs> they kind of avoid eye contact. This woman, um, as I was walking across the street, this older woman, she held her eyes on me and she smiled. Like normally, like you would, when someone's holding their eyes on you, you get a little uncomfortable, you look away, but she would not, not stop looking at me. It's like she wanted me to receive her smile. And I smiled back and um, said, I, you know, I think I said, I hope you have a nice day. And she said, I hope you have a nice day too. And it was just a simple gesture, um, but it was done with such intention um, that I, I took it as a random act of kindness. Yes. Yes. I love that. It's, I was, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Like you can really feel the difference between a genuine smile and just like a, I don't know, like, you know, one that has no intention behind it. And so that is a beautiful random act of kindness. And at the end of all my yoga classes, I'm like, remember the power of your smile. Like I always remind people because it is so impactful. And we don't always have to use words. Like our body language is so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. And I'd love to hear your journey of how you even got started with yoga and starting your business. Um, I got started with yoga, I want to say in 2008. and. Um, I was actually moving through or not processing or moving through a lot of mental health issues and um, some substance abuse. And I actually got in a car accident and I got a lot more substances to abuse. Um, And at the time, because I could not be active, I've always been active. I'm, I'm an athlete. I ran track for several years and I Played women's rugby in college, but I could not, I couldn't be active because I did some damage to my spine. Um, so at the time, my roommate recommended that I try yoga. And initially, it was something more rehab, re- rehabilitation for my body, particularly my spine. And um, it quickly became something else. Um, the practice started to cultivate a sense of self and more so a, a deep sense of self awareness. It was almost like 
prior to yoga, I couldn't hear my thoughts. I couldn't hear what I actually thought about myself. Um, and you can't, see, you can't change what you can't see. And the, the practice just kind of revealed a lot of self-hate, a lot of self-hate that I had towards my, my, my body. And, but it didn't leave me there, which I think is so phenomenal about the practice. The yoga itself cultivates space for you to actually see into yourself. So see into me, intimacy. I was able to cultivate self-intimacy. I was able to see into myself. And once I was able to like see what was there, I was given like tools to actually alchemize it or transmute it and um, begin to actually self-heal. And at the time that was very radical for me because I didn't know that I had anything to process through. I knew that I felt quite dense emotionally. Like I had a lot of emotions I wasn't processing through, but I feel like everyone does and you can, you just move through life like that. But the practice of yoga was really phenomenal because it gave me the tools to like begin to move through things and, uh, and to heal in a way that actually started to impact my life. And from there, you know, I had a completely different trajectory. I had a, a when I graduated college, I went to school for political science. I was uh, on the path to go to law school. And I went back home to Nigeria. And when I came back, I said, you know, to my parents, I, I don't want to go to law school. I'm not going to go. And um, I decided to start this fashion blog. And I was on this trajectory to do fashion journalism. I was doing fashion journalism um, under a local magazine here in Seattle and was doing some work with a local designer. And I would go to LA back and forth with him for styling gigs. So I was on a completely different trajectory. I started doing fashion um, marketing, marketing, copywriting for um, actually a tech organization here, a tech company here in Seattle that ended up going, uh, what is that thing when they get, well, they got bought out by somebody. But then by that time I'd been practicing yoga for about seven or eight years, I never wanted to be an instructor, never. And then all of a sudden you start to hear teacher trainings. They keep talking about teacher trainings before they advertise it all the time, but you start to hear it. You know, why, why am I, why is this resonating with me? Why do I, why am I hearing this all of a sudden? So I took my first 200 hours. I've taken two of them and I didn't even know what I was going to do. I just knew that I, I felt called to it. And then I just, and shortly after I quit my job and I didn't know what I was going to do, I struggled. I struggled. I got eviction notices, three eviction notices, because I took a huge pay cut, you know, paying $25 for an hour to teach classes. You're running around. But I felt so liberated and free. And I felt like really called to that, to that place. And my business has taken a lot of highs and lows. First started with Yoga by Biala. And that was just more so to share my experience. You know, it was just to share. And um, from there, I started to find more exploration in the divine feminine and the archetypes of the divine feminine. And um, I started to explore sensuality, self-sensuality. And from there, I started to create, I created something called Trap Vinyasa, which was like a hip hop yoga practice that I founded here in Seattle. And, and that grew quite a bit. And I became more of a yoga educator. I was educating people on the divine feminine. I was educating people on the eight limbs and the sutras because the yoga philosophy started to become a huge part of my practice. I, I became a huge student of that and still am. And I got invited to teach on Alo Moves. I was an Alo Moves coach. Um, I've done a few 
I've, I've done a few programs on their platform. Um, I started writing for Strong Fitness Magazine, um, just articles about the healing power of yoga and all of that. Um, I was featured in a few of their magazines. But I started to also notice that I was performing a lot. Um, I was, as a Black woman, I was performing a lot with the big acrobatic yoga poses to prove to white society that I was a strong instructor, that I was just as good, if not better than my white counterparts. Uh, I found myself performing in studios when I was still teaching because the majority of them are all white owned studios, if not all of them in Seattle. And um, there are very few black instructors, or especially at, the t- at that time, a few years ago. And um, I also found that I was performing off of the mat. I was constantly performing where it just felt exhausting. Um, And I wanted to cultivate a space where it wasn't so much about these acrobatic yoga poses. I wanted to cultivate a space where I could actually be a student, a space that showed and held space for diverse bodies that made the practice adaptable, but also was real. When I practice at home, I'm wearing my fuzzy socks and a big concert tee and maybe some biker shorts or some sweats. I'm not wearing Lululemon, like the way it's like showcased on Instagram. It's like this perfect pose, perfect body, perfect outfit. And it's just not real. Even now I'm doing this interview. I look crazy. I look wild, but I'm just so tired of the performing. I can't keep up with it. And so I created EA to cultivate a space of like non-performative yoga and the visuals we showcase, the yoga visuals we showcase all show props, uh, a strap to extend the arm. If you, you, you don't have the length, you know, if you don't have the flexibility in the spine or the hips are not as open using a block or a bolster showcasing yoga in real life. You know, when we do videos, you know, on the platform where like I might be wearing a baggy concert tee and some biker shorts, you know, or in a restorative class, I'm wearing cozy socks. I'm wearing, I'm, I'm, I want to keep it real to how people actually practice at home so that the practice can meet people who are othered by mainstream yoga, who the yoga industry tends to forget to mention or showcase. And that looks like race, but it also looks like gendered, you know, LGBTQ. It also looks like age older bodies. It also looks like people who have disabilities, kind of the fringe society. And I tend to, I've always gravitated to what society calls the fringe, you know, moving here from Atlanta and um, being too African for the black people, but being too black for the white people, you know? So I kind of gravitated to finding my place amongst the fringe of society. And I just feel like those people are constantly forgotten in mainstream yoga. And so I wanted to create a space where those people could have a home. And that's ultimately how EI was born. And that's kind of where I find myself. It's interesting that if you make a testimony about something like non-performative living, then you're, you will be held by that word. And so my business is very emblematic of where I am emotionally. And I still find myself performing and it's constantly checking me in those places. And so that's kind of where I find myself today. Mm, What a beautiful journey. Thank you for sharing. And it's so important. Like you said, it's so many people are not seen and it's supposed to be yoga is oneness unity. It's like this practice of 
such a beautiful foundation, but we're not actually embracing all parts of it. So it's so lovely to see what you've created and what you're doing. And so, so important. And I love that it's online too, so that everyone can access and it's not just people in Seattle. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that that helps a lot of people be able to connect to this truth of yoga and what you're creating. Yeah. I think that the way yoga is showcased right now, it seems very out of touch with real life. It's like this woo-woo practice that has these amazing benefits that people can't really ever codify or tell you. <laughs> and so I think one of the ways to make it non-performative is to break down uh, all the other facets of the practice, break down the eight limbs and how, you know, this, this Santosha and Saucha and Ahimsa and all these things um, can really affect your life. These kind of guiding principles to kind of act, act as um, checkpoints for you or the sutras and how they're also guiding principles just to kind of help you build some self-awareness as to your thought patterns and your cycles and uh, how you find yourself in certain, you know, constantly reliving certain cycles and how to undo those by just having a sense of self-awareness. And I don't think those things are talked about a lot when it comes to the practice of yoga. And that is what brought the healing. It was the philosophy. It was exploring my divine feminine, learning where I'm resistant as a black woman, where I've, where I've been resistant because I felt like I need to be. Let me learn how to be more receptive. What does it mean to fall into my lunar patterns a little bit more? What does it mean to cultivate more of a receptive energy, a softer energy where I'm more receiving of myself and of other people? What does it mean to embody ahimsa, um, to be nonviolent towards myself? How am I violent towards myself? What does it mean to embody sat, um, satya, which is truthfulness beyond what I say? What does it mean to embody truthfulness um, within my, my being, to be truthful to myself? What does that look like? Those start to cultivate patterns of healing. And the practice seems really out of touch with real life because it's so asana based. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the asana provides great mobility. It mobilizes your body, it lubricates your joints. Uh, but what causes the stickiness in the body is usually an emotional response first. So, you know, just talking about all of that to make it real is, is, is really important because especially in the black community, I think yoga could just do such great benefits for us. Um, but that's also the way it showcased makes it look very out of touch, like very woo woo. And it doesn't look like there's any real benefit in it. Mm-hmm. And I hope to change that. Yes, you are. You are. Even if it's small right now, like it's not even that small, but still like it's only going to grow bigger and bigger because you have such a heartfelt intention behind it. And um, you're coming from such an authentic place. And I as well had the same experience when I got into my yoga training. I was like, I'm not going to teach. And then I was like, what the, this information is amazing. Like all the philosophies and principles and how yoga isn't actually even the asanas. Like that's just such a small part of it. But we're so focused around the asanas, asanas or postures, if you don't know what that means. Um, and yeah, there, I it blew my mind away the how beautiful the whole lifestyle of yoga is. And um, I was lucky enough to be trained by two people from India. And it just really like, I was able to connect with the culture so much. And I love to sprinkle that in my classes as well, but I'll take, you know, I've lived a lot of places in the world now and 
every time I go to studios, I'm kind of shocked like at what the teachers are providing the students and what there's just so many things that are so bad. And so it's really hard when people are like, all right, I'm going to try this thing called yoga, like heard about it. Everyone talks about it. And then they go and they're not getting the experience that they should. And that's with any profession and any, any doctor, any, anything, you know, like there's always people out of integrity or, and it's not even oftentimes their fault. It's just what they learn. But so anyways, I'm just really happy that you are one of the people that are shining bright and really embodying the essence of yoga. Ladies, do I have a special treat for you? Yoni Pleasure Palace is a divine woman-owned company that inspires women to slow down, to squirt, to heal sexual blocks, and learn to embrace their naked bodies shame-free. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Love it so much. And she's started incredible movements like Stop Sucking In, Own Your Starfish, and Central Eating. She has products like the Yoni Wand, Yoni Dildo, Crystal Wands, and a squirt blanket. So go get yourself some fun toys. Use the link in my bio, and I hope you experience immense pleasure. And I'd love for you to talk about maybe just explain one of the sutras um, to people right now. Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if I want to get into the sutras right now, if that's okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. They're really heavy and deep. So. <laughs> and um, I just, when I, I feel like if I talk about them, I'm going to, it's going to go on and nauseum, and I don't want to go over people's head. <laughs> no problem. So what's another way that someone can practice non-performative living in their lives? Oh, first, like, identify where you find the spaces that you feel you need to perform in, I tend to find like, where are the spaces you feel like you don't belong and how are you showing up in them? Are you performing in those spaces? I find that that's the first way to like start to stop performing in your life is to question how are you showing up in the places where you feel like you don't belong? And then also asking yourself who you are when nobody's watching. And are you ready for people to see that person you know because it's it seems like a really simple thing like yeah live non-performance like non-performance living but you have to be ready you have to be ready to show up as that person you know and sometimes folks are not ready but I guess the one way I would say is you start to ask yourself uh, how do you show up in the places where you feel like you don't belong Do you avoid them at all costs? Whether that be a yoga studio, you just feel like you don't belong there. So you just avoid, you don't go, or you do go and you put on a face. Begin to allow yourself to stop hiding is one of the ways that I would say you can begin to practice non-performative living. Stop hiding and start to give yourself permission. I think the biggest thing that I've found and that I want to offer people is this ability to walk in permission. It's easy enough, but we don't actually walk in a lot of permission a lot of the time. We walk in quite a lot of resistance or a lot of societal norms and beliefs that have kind of been passed down. We don't walk in our own permission. Well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to look this way. I don't want to do that because people told me that people who do that are, are this way or I don't want So we constantly limit our own expression. And I feel like the boldest thing I've done in non-performative living 
is giving myself more permission. Yeah, I think that it's one of the best things you can do and really remove yourself from all the external external validation and sourcing yourself externally from your environment and really like drop into like, why am I not being able to provide this for myself? And why do I feel like I can't be my authentic self all the time? And, you know, it's, it's so much unraveling. It's like learning to unlearn. It's just constant practice that's never ending. And I think what you said is beautiful. Like just awareness, like, okay, where is this showing up in my life? And where does this come from? And then just keep asking why, or keep like going into that and seeing like, where did, why, yeah, why is this about? And why am I like this? Um, so I think that's a really great practice. And I'm excited for the listeners to try. And I'd also love you yeah. to touch on how you're talking about um, normalizing your bliss as and feeling happy as a black woman. Oh, that's a huge thing. Well, one thing I'll say, just going back to the previous question, because I don't want to overwhelm people. I feel like it's easy to say a very general, heavy, big thought. If you are looking to start to practice non-performative living, one way, one simple way is to think about an area you've wanted to express. Like, I feel like I want to show more confidence here or I admire an aspect of that in that person. I want to embody more of that. Just one aspect that you want to express more within your own body, within your own personality. Because if you see something and you admire it, that, uh, that tends to mean that you have it in you somewhere. And the, I, I, the ability you have to identify it is letting you know that your, your soul wants expression there. So identify an area you want, to, you want expression. And start to give yourself permission to walk in it. And the best way is to utilize a vehicle. Like, what is something that I can do to help me express that? Is that maybe dancing can help me express or emote that way? Or going to a yoga class can help me express or emote that way? Find a vehicle to support that expression. That's one way you can start to walk out non-performative living for yourself. Then to your most recent question, normalizing black bliss. This is a lot of work because it requires a lot of undoing of internalized racism and oppression. Um, Like black folks have been taught to strive to survive because during the time of slavery, they were constantly striving to surviving, to survive. They had to do that. And so because of that, black pain is sensationalized and normalized more than black bliss. It's almost radical for Black people to have a sense of bliss and joy and happiness. Even when you see it promoted in the yoga industry, um, Black folks doing yoga, it's always because there's this deep pain or healing that you need, which I hate because it sensationalizes Black pain um, when it comes to people becoming more aware of racism and all this stuff. It's always rooted in like so much pain and it makes it, it creates this narrative that Black people are inherently full of like deep pain and hardness and sadness, which isn't true at all. And that's very frustrating. So normalizing Black bliss is one of the ways that I wanted to embody this non-performative living for Black folks. And to begin to showcase that on EA, showcase people doing yoga in a way that brings bliss and joy and levity, specifically Black people. 
so that people can see that black people are not doing wellness practices because they only need some deep, great healing because they're inherently full of so much anguish, you know, and um, I've had to begin to normalize that within myself. Uh, when you deal with a lot of trauma, when good things happen, you think it's fleeting, like it's not going to last for very long. And that's not true. So I've had to undo that narrative. That's one of the ways I've normalized my Black bliss, normalizing feelings of joy and knowing that they can be sustained. Another way is by becoming more receptive and melting away areas of resistance like you build up a lot of walls and boundaries, but ultimately the greatest expression of liberty is where you need no boundaries because you have a deep sense of, of love and love almost covers you on its own, right? And you have boundaries until you don't need them. The hope is that you mature out of them, right? You don't keep building more and more and more. And so sometimes a lot of the boundary talk I, I feel like it's not normalizing a greater state of bliss and a joy and love because you have boundaries and then you mature out of them. You grow in love or you mature in love and then you mature out of a boundary. You don't keep building more. That's one of the ways I've been normalizing my bliss and normalizing black bliss is to cultivate a deep sense of love where we mature out of our boundaries. And people don't really talk about that. It almost seems like, well, why would you mature out of boundaries? Well, why would you create more? <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't speak of um, growing or maturing in love. If you need to keep creating more boundaries. Yes, yes, you create them in love of self when people have taken liberties against you. And um, as you mature and grow spiritually, those boundaries are necessarily, aren't necessarily required because love cultivates that space. It covers on its own and you don't draw in certain energy. And like begets like, you, lo you no longer draw those people, that type of energy in. So the boundary is no longer needed. So those are some of the ways that I have been normalizing my Black bliss. But it's a very specific way that I try to showcase it on ER. EA is open for everyone, but we highlight Black instructors on the platform. The teachers are 95% Black, and the people or the, the visuals that we showcase are very inclusive. So we showcase a lot of Black and Brown people to, you know, practicing yoga to encourage Black and Brown folks to practice yoga, but to also showcase them practicing yoga just for a greater well being, not because there's some pain you know like the just that narrative I it's so frustrating it's and it's white supremacy still still having its even it cultivates more pity from from white folks and it perpetuates um internalized racism and oppression for black folks it just continues the same oppression so I'm, I'm really committed to undoing that wow that was so beautiful thank you for sharing all those things you're working on and actually practicing it and yeah, I love what you said also about the boundaries. It's so true. We get so fixated on these things. It's like, oh yeah, I'm reclaiming my power back. Boundaries, boundaries. But then you're like, wait, that's just like a protection at first till you cultivate mm -hmm. that safety within and that love within. And then like you said, and as soon as you start <laughs> yeah, vibrating at a higher level, you don't, you really don't attract that stuff in your life anymore. And it's like, it doesn't come to you. And so 
think that's a great point. And everything else you said, and just, yeah, the perpetuation of like, we think we're doing the right thing, but really it's like, that's still just another form of racism and it's not actually healing. So thank you for shedding more light on that as well. And I would love for you to share how people can find you and what you're offering right now, because I know people want to enjoy what you, <laughs> the gifts you're giving. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at yoga by Biala. I also have a YouTube channel with a, a plethora of free yoga videos from beginner, intermediate and advanced. If you want to practice with me and, and income is an issue or financial support is needed. Um, those videos are all free. If you are looking for longer practice videos, non-performative yoga videos, utilizing, you know, adaptable postures, using walls, using blocks, bolsters, pillows, straps, all that stuff for your practice, head to Well, that's I-Y-A-W-E-L-L.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at well on Instagram as well for yoga videos. We do a live every Thursday. Um, we do a, a Zoom live stream every Thursday and that's free for the hour, um, but it's available for purchase after. But if you want to join us on EA for a live stream, just join us on Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, head to our website to register and we'll see you there. Or you can purchase any of our yoga journeys or single classes. I'm also um, offering a virtual yoga teacher training for EA. It is called EA Kin. It is our non-performative yoga teacher training, and but it's a phenomenal teacher training, I have to say. But if you're looking, or rather, if you feel called, if you have felt called to become a yoga instructor, and you're looking for a YTT really steeped in the lineage of yoga um, that goes deep into the studies of Sanskrit and yoga philosophy, then we encourage you to apply. We do have a pretty intensive uh, application just because we want to make sure that um, folks are ready to hold safer space. This is a mixed space, um, so we do open it to all races, all genders, all ages, all um, sexual orientations. So we ask that, you know, people come in ready and willing to hold themselves accountable and to, to do this work and to hold the space for what comes up in a yoga teacher training. But if you are interested, our next one is winter 2022. It starts on March 1st and we're now accepting applications. If you head to eawell.com, you can click the YTT link and apply and we look forward to receiving your application. Beautiful. Thank you so, so much for being here today. And I hope everyone goes and checks it out. And please yes. share this episode with more people so that we can continue to spread this goodness because these messages are so important and more people should be hearing them. So thank you again. Absolutely. Thank y'all. Nice to see you. <laughs>